Hey, B. Hey, Dante. Welcome to Cheating on Fear. Welcome. So this is a part two to our uh, previous episode on non-traditional relationships. Yeah. And in this episode, I thought we could talk about how we got started, how what kind of advice we could give people to if they were interested in exploring this we talked a little bit about resources and references in the last episode but we'll talk about some actual practical sure advice and we can go into a little bit more detail as you're navigating these ways of doing things what to look for what some of the terminology means when you're looking on profiles and things like that uh, and i just wanted to something struck me um, because I've, I've had to type this word a lot in, in my phone <laughs> when, I make, when I make connections, uh, particularly when I'm on apps that aren't designed specifically for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I type in non-monogamy. Yes. And the autocorrect for monogamy is monotony. That is ducking ridiculous. Isn't it? It's yeah. never Okay, dear autocorrect, it's never ducking. It's never, it's never ducking. ducking. No, no. That language is such a funny thing. Isn't Just a it? little digression before we dig into it. Um when it's I was 30 seconds in and you're digressing already. Um 50, but okay. Okay. Um you know I speak Spanish, you're learning Spanish okay. and 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 speak very well. Um but one of the things that I always found I remember my very first when I was in actually taking like Spanish classes. So I had an instructor as opposed to living in places and, and learning it that way. Um, when we would talk about the word for wife, which in Spanish is esposa. See? But if you pluralize that, and you which would be las esposas, you're not saying the wives you're actually saying handcuffs. <laughs> Just to make it clear, husband is esposo. It's, yeah. it's the masculine version yeah. of handcuffs. But when you say los esposos, which you would never say, it's not like all of a sudden those are the male handcuffs. No, like, they're the no, husbands. They're the husbands. But if, Yeah, right? Okay. So, but if you... If you and it's that ball and chain mm. mentality, right? Like, you know, that the visual. old my old woman, right? Like battle axe. The battle axe, yeah. And and I mean Latin culture has a lot of awesome things. It's also got some not so awesome it's things. It's a little sexist. It's pretty sexist. Yeah. Um I wanna know why meat is feminine. <laughs> um but also, so is university. So that's okay. There's hope. Yeah, but but question is masculine and answer is feminine. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. La, la respuesta is is the answer. El pregunto. Okay. Well, I thought I thought it was feminine, but anyway. You might be right. Okay. I might be getting this wrong. All I'm right, not a but, native speaker. But anyway, okay. Yeah. Um, don't look it up. Handcuffs. <laughs> Handcuffs. So. And, and you know what, and we talked about this in the last episode, but, but 
a lot of very smart people who have done a lot of research and have looked at a lot of case studies, looked at, in the case of Sex at Dawn, looked at Hunter Gatherer or, or, or lesser, eh, not lesser, less technologically developed societies. So when you think of tribes in the Amazon and stuff like that, they're the closest thing we have to early human sort of um, pre-industrialized um, societies. You find that the cure for that, you know, that, that, that monotony that is, that sets in, in these long-term monogamous and a lot of these long-term monogamous relationships is some flavor of non-monogamy. So if you are a couple and you're hearing things or you've seen things that have started your brain turning and you wanted to look more into this, B, where would you advise them to get started? Sex at Dawn is an absolute must read. Mm-hmm. Um, opening up. Mm-hmm. That, and, and that's a great book because contrary to how we started, it's difficult for couples that have been in a long-term monogamous mm. relationship to then flip that switch and start to change into an you know opening the relationship. So that that book is more specifically for people that have been operating in a monogamous relationship and to start to make that change. Um, the Ethical Slut mm-hmm. is a great book. Um, we put links to all of this in the show. Yeah, notes. absolutely. Um, Untrue is great. Yeah. I think I, I felt like that was a great book for me to sort of. It's it's more specifically about female desire. Mm-hmm. And how all that works. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Th- those were those were the the standouts for me. With with Sex at Dawn being probably um, the most compelling for sure for was, me. Yeah, as well for myself, it was eye opening. I mean, there were light bulbs going off all over the place for you. Mm-hmm. I I think from what you've spoken about, and you can sort of talk about that if you want that that that, there was a lot of relief for you yeah well because I had struggled with a lot of the things that were talked about in that book and you know like you said in the last episode if if monogamy is so easy if it's the default position for humans and our social structure I mean why is it so hard why do so many people powerful people Risk all of it. Politicians, athletes, celebrities. Risk everything for an extramarital affair. Not even an affair. An encounter. Or just an encounter. Right. Look at what happened to Hugh Grant when he got a blowjob from a transsexual prostitute. And like it caused a split from Elizabeth Hurley. Um, you can contact me anytime, Liz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's on your list. She's on, definitely on my list. Okay, um, and which would be totally fine, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you see these things, George Michael, when you know before he, he wasn't he, really in a, in a really. Well, that, he that wasn't. Was, that was no, more about being closeted. Was, yeah, and, being outed. But but the same kind of thing, like why do we risk? Why do we risk those things for some form of sexual gratification or sexual release? And people go a long way to do that. So. You can blow up your career, 
your relationship, your social standing, all those kinds of things. Or hopefully you can have an open and honest conversation with your significant other about what you want and need and hear from them what they want and need. And you guys can do it. You might need the help of a sex positive counselor or something to be able to have these conversations. But we're going to assume for the purposes of this podcast that you've 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 had those conversations and you're ready to move forward. There was one thing that I wanted to Oh, okay. That before I wanted we to, move forward? Yeah, just, just something that even before Sex at Dawn, even before I had met you, even before mm. um, there was uh, a CBC documentary and man, I have tried to find it. I would love to put it in the show notes if I could find it. Let me, let me see. I It's... I feel like it was called the science of cheating or something along those lines. And they did talk about, um, you know, wherever the Republican convention is in the States, the strip clubs all get ready for the influx of politicians and high rollers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they and they talked about the athletes and, and, and all of these people right down to the regular Joe who is on a business trip and has an encounter mm-hmm. because also you mentioned, and I think it was, was it Chris Rock who talked about the, the faithfulness of someone is only determined by their yeah, I think that was Chris Rock. Yeah. A yeah. man is only as faithful as his opportunities. As his opportunities. Yeah. Right. So, um, and so what happens is, and, and this, this is the way they explained it, and that was something where I was like, wow, it, that, wow. So you have um, someone in a, in a long-term relationship, a, a dude who, you know, their sex life has waned and sort of, or become non-existent over the years. He goes on a business trip or, you know, somewhere, meets someone, has this encounter and has a biological, a physiological response to that. In other words, his testosterone levels go through the roof. Where were they before? Just tanked. And why is that? Could be a lot of different reasons. But generally speaking? Generally speaking, I don't know. Because they're bored or they have small kids or they... In, in familiarity? Familiarity. As, as much as it kills desire in women. Well, and if you're not having sex... Drops your T-levels Drops your T-levels, right? Yeah. So, so then they have sex with this new partner... And it has nothing to do with them being more attractive than their other partner or have more to offer than their other partner. Simply novelty is 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 what earmarks this new partner. And their T-levels go through the roof. They think they found the bomb. Mm-hmm. They think, oh my God, like this is the person I've been looking for. And they blow up their entire lives to be with this other person only to find they're in the exact same space that they were with their previous partner three years later, five years later, 10 years later, whatever it is. And then you get this, what a lot of people refer to as serial monogamy, where you have one partner and everything's great until it's not. And then you break up with that partner and you move forward into another partner. And literally, (laughs) and, and it is completely socially acceptable. Yes, much more socially acceptable to be a serial monogamist and to be a damn dirty swinger. <laughs> right, or to practice any kind of non-monogamy. Yes. A lot of people ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy. Yes. And it's interesting because 
I hate to bring up 90 day again, but I'm going to because we are eyeballs deep into the into the 90 day. I just think it's such an interesting anthropological study. And great quarantine watching. Oh man, yeah. Um, but in one of the couples, it was the, before the 90 days, and um, this woman finds out, this American woman finds out that her British sort of husband-to-be has had non-monogamous relationships in the past or open relationships in the past. And she's like, oh my God, that's so gross. It's disgusting and blah, blah, Meanwhile, <laughs> not to be shamey. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. She's holding a baby. same woman, she's holding a baby that was, from all intents and purposes, from a one-night stand. She has no contact with the father. And this gross guy that has open relationships is not only willing but like expressed a very intense desire to raise this child yeah. and be part of this child's life as his own as his own and one and one thing is gross and disgusting and completely not accept, accepted but the other thing is like oh well yeah that's cool that you do right like it's such you know let's not talk about you know not being safe with your casual sexual encounters and that's i don't think that's slut shaming when i say that no, that that's just fuck whoever you want. Just yeah. keep it dry, man. Like yeah, it's, wrap it up. Wrap it up. So I just thought that was so, and this is why watching these kinds of ridiculous trash TV shows is so much fun with you, is because that pause button is always in reach, so that we can have a quick little side jag about what is really going on here. And and fuck their editors and their emotional catfishing that they do. <laughs> On that show, I where know. they will edit a sequence to look like it's so inflammatory, and then after the break, they play the sequence, and it's nothing like no. And we know this. We're like, that can't be how it's gonna happen, and we get sucked in. Oh no! I every always think time. I always fall for it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so mean. Oh my god, it's so awful. I can't and then believe she would say go, that to her. And you go, oh, okay, that was just editing. Okay, I get it. It's brilliant in its It is brilliant. It, it is brilliant. And anybody who says that 90 Day Fiance is stupid and it's not... Maybe the people, some of the people are a little bit... But the producers and the editors and the creators of these shows are absolutely brilliant. They know exactly how to push psychological buttons on their participants and on their viewers. It's absolutely... It blows my mind. But anyway. There was... Sorry. One last thing before that 90 Day before we move on. Mm. Keep that thought. Okay. Um, there's a TV show called Unreal where it basically follows the producers. It's a drama, and they follow it follows the producers on a like bachelor type show where they you see the psychological manipulations that they do to get their various contestants to to do and how they manipulate the bachelor or the bachelorette or whoever it is. And I'm sure it is not far from reality. And the like hard as nails corporate female producer played by Constance Zimmerman is, oh man, it's delicious. Which, by the way, mentioning The Bachelor or The mm. Bachelorette, is that not up until the final rose? I've never watched it because yeah, I, yeah, I have well, an issue. Is they're dating not, all the is people. Is it not yeah, they're dating an everybody. open relationship, yeah. a, a series of open relationships until the very end when yeah. they go, oh, and now it's just going to be you and me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Never mind all those other girls I kissed or whatever. Or fucked in the hot tub. Do they do? Ew. Do they do that? I hope they don't fuck in hot tubs. I mean, that's human Ugh. soup, right? 
Oh, you can get gross. pregnant in a hot tub, can't you? Okay. I don't think so. But I don't... That's want... one of those urban myths, right? It is. Man but... impregnates 12-year-old daughter because they were hanging out in the same hot tub. Something like that. I'm sure I saw that on an Inquirer. Stop, please. Courtney, no. No. <laughs> B, don't explain that no. one. Okay. So anyway. That's a 90 day so, th- so deep, deep dive. That's a deep dive into 90 day. Those of you who know Courtney and Antonio will will <laughs> enjoy that little nugget. So I, I, would, I just remember being very struck by that whole idea that, you know, this people will trash their lives over an encounter because their brain tells them that they're with the wrong partner and if they're just with this partner that it's, you know, so much better for them. But it's really just a physiological, biological response Mm -hmm. to our hardwiring of novelty and variety in our sexual partners, right? And, you know, um, as a woman, I can tell you, there's a lot of women that I've talked to and, and you know, sort of been friends with that they thought that their sex drives were over. They thought it was completely finished. Mm-hmm. Unless and until they end a long-term relationship that they'd been in and move on to a new relationship, and all of a sudden they're like teenagers again. Right? And mm-hmm. it is because of that novelty and that variety and that... New relationship energy, as Uncle Dan Savage. N R E, new relationship energy. What is N R E? New relationship energy. Energy that comes in a new relationship. Are you mansplaining new relationship? No, energy? I am explaining it as a man to the rest of the world. Ah, okay. Okay. But so that that is some that is a phenomenon. I don't think anybody who has had a relationship knows what it's like when you are first in a new relationship, right? Oh, you can't stop thinking about the person. You get a text message and you smile because they're thinking about you. I still smile at text messages. Well, and I do too. Um, But that is a chemical response, right? And eventually, think, especially anybody who has been separated or divorced, remember what it was like when your ex texted you when you were first dating and... What is your response when they text you now, right? <laughs> Usually dread. Yeah, and it could be the now same. Now what? Could be the same words. I doubt it. Probably isn't. However, um, part of that is that chemical response, and that chemical response has has waned. And those serial monogamists, oftentimes, are chasing that NRE mm-hmm. because you know everything's great, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. That energy starts to drop because of familiarity. Love sets in, desire wanes, and they want that new NRE. And the only way that they know how to get it is to break up with that person. Or cheat. Or cheat. Right. In either case, a new relationship has started, NRE kicks in, everything's great, until it isn't anymore, and Mm -hmm. it's this cycle. And one of the ways to break that cycle is, especially if you really like that person and you're committed to that person, is to look at some flavor of non-monogamy as a way to bring that NRE back into your relationship. Take that energy and funnel it back into your partner. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Don't funnel anything into your partner, please. (laughs) Are you going to put Rick and Morty in the show notes too? Oh my goodness. Did you have... (laughs) Rick and Morty. Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, geniuses. Total geniuses. If you're not watching it, you should be. 
But this is the whole thing is that our brains trick us into trashing things. And and how many times, I don't know if you've ever had friends that have had affairs and whatever, that have said, you know, I still love my wife. I don't love my wife any less. Mm-hmm. But this part of, you know, this person makes me feel desired and attractive and all of those things. And we want that so desperately as humans that we will destroy everything else to yeah. chase after that. Yeah. Thinking that that is the only, that's what's been missing in our lives. But nobody, you don't get told that there's an alternative to trashing your life yeah. and chasing the up. next, or breaking up or and, and chasing the next relationship. So? Yes. How do we get started? Is this the time? How did that you we... and I get started? Well, Is I... this our origin story? Well, time? I think I think this might be the time to to most clearly illustrate how to get started in this by just talking about how we got started. Because okay. especially when you think about dating now in this age of technology, it's not mailing in a videotape of you answering questions that people can then watch and dial a phone number and call you when did that happen that was video dating oh my goodness there's some great youtube clips about like video (laughs) dating in the 80s i like long walks on the beach and you know like that kind of stuff right people still do that people still do that um we use we have tiny supercomputers in our pockets and there's any number of different apps and i meant endless choices and endless choices and your next choice is just a swipe away um I met you on one of these dating apps. Yes. We can say the name of it, I guess, right? Sure. Cool. So when people think about dating apps on your phone that are of the swipeable variety, Tinder is the kind of heteronormative granddaddy of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Grindr was there first. which really? was a, Yeah, which was a gay oh. app. No, I know that. Yeah. It's, it's still around, isn't it? Oh, it's still around. There's okay. Grindr and Scruff and a whole bunch of other um, mm-hmm. gay apps out there. Um, and it was proximity-based. So yeah. if you were horny, you could go on and you could see who was there. I think, and I think we understand how dating apps work. Well, not Grindr. Oh, okay. Well, but... Okay. So Tinder took it a, a different way and um, was, you know, swipe right to like, swipe left to, to dislike. And then if you both liked... If you both liked, if you both swiped right at each other, then you have the chance to have a conversation. And Tinder is famous for stupid intros like, what's up? Hey. Hey. And then dick pic. Like, (laughs) you can't send pictures through Tinder. That's probably, maybe you could originally, but you can't now. So there were a bunch of, of female employees, engineers, people who were involved in Tinder who left Tinder to start a more female centric version of that. Which is the app that I met you be on, and that is Bumble. And the big difference, besides that it's has a bit more of a classier reputation, is that the man can't initiate the conversation. The woman has to, when they match, the woman has to. And there's a time limit, which there isn't in Tinder. You have 24, 24 hours. 24 hours. And then when the woman initiates, the man has 24 hours to... to communicate and respond and if they don't then the match disappears now i wondered what happens when it's two women they don't have 
there's no I don't think there's dating. They don't have same sex dating in there? Because you have who you're interested in. Maybe they've changed it. But it was sort of like they had Bumble BFF, which was like Yeah. You could find you could find a, a a an opposite sex partner or you could find like you could use Bumble to find friends. An opposite sex sex partner. Yeah, every time you say that it makes me <laughs> think of that that another great movie, Easy A. Yeah, a great movie. Yeah. Um <laughs> Don't make me do it. Um <laughs> And and what I liked about that, and I'm, was, it wasn't so much that people would send dick pics over Tinder because they can't send pictures, but um, you couldn't control who messaged you or or how often or or any of that kind of thing. So with with Bumble, it was, it, I could be a little bit more choosy about who I had conversations with, and. One of the things that I noticed was when I was swiping right on people, it was very hormone dependent. So there were some times when I was like <laughs> ovulating or like, you know, in my fertile period where I, you know, we swipe, 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 swipe. And then this cue would show up and I'd be like, what the hell? And I'd get rid of this one, get rid of that one because it was like, well, what the hell was I thinking? So, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of, you get a little more choosy after, after the ovulation takes place. But um, so I met you on Bumble mm-hmm. and, um, I think I would imagine that it's nice for you as a man, because if you get a message, you already know that someone is interested. Yeah. I, I mean, we have profiles on all those kinds of dating platforms, um, but I spend very little time on Tinder Mainly because, yeah, like you send a message to somebody and you probably never hear back. At least on Bumble, there's that time limit. And like you said, if, if, because a woman has to initiate the conversation, if you, if she does, then you're getting at least some small indication that there is some kind of interest there rather than fertile swiping right or something like that. Right. Mm. So, so I don't want to talk too much about, about that, but the idea was that we met on Bumble. Um, we were both basically looking for something on the casual side. Neither one of us were looking for an LTR. No, a long-term relationship. You're gross. (laughs) Um, and we spent quite a bit of time messaging each other yeah. before we met. And usually, you know, we would meet fairly shortly after, mm-hmm. but you were on a business trip, so we had to wait till you got back. But in that time, we texted quite a bit and we got a chance to sort of get to know each other a little bit. So by the time we did meet, um, our first few dates went really, really well and mm-hmm. things kind of accelerated from there. So, um, so that's cool. What like how did you and then and then we kind of got to a point where um we had sort of decided that we wanted a relationship with each other Mm -hmm. not not just you know casual anymore so how how did that go well we both kind of reluctantly got to that point well not reluctantly we neither of us i and if i'm speaking out of turn just correct me as you smile over there um, neither of us were looking for a relationship, but when it became apparent that w- what was going on between us was becoming a relationship and that it was getting more serious than either of us had 
entered into it expecting it to be, then we had to have a conversation about what we wanted. And over the course of our, the early days of our relationship, we had talked about, I'd introduced you to sex at dawn mm-hmm. and we had talked about, you know, it was understood that until we were in an exclusive relationship that there would be dating and other things that would be going on. And early on in our relationship, I was going to be um, out of the country for uh, several weeks. And we had had a conversation about what that was going to look like because we were in a relationship at that point. But sex was important to both of us, especially together. But denying the other person the benefits of having sex with somebody just because we weren't in the same country or continent didn't seem fair or right and so we had had a conversation about what would be okay what would be acceptable what we wanted or not wanted to know about for that time that we were going to be apart and then we would come back from that and see if the relationship was still strong enough or interesting enough for us to continue and and this this is something that i i think put us on some great footing because what I had said to you at the time, you had a, had a little bit more experience with non-monogamy and kind of open relationships and, and, and that kind of thing um, with, with varying success. Um, but my expression to you at that point was, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'm comfortable with. I don't know where I could go with this. And so our sort of strategy from the very beginning was everything's on the table nothing you know like everything is discussable everything is okay well let's take this thing off the table and talk about it and see mm-hmm. if what our comfort comfort level is with any of these things and if it's something that and and it was always a no for now like not, no, right, not now. right now not right now not a no never absolutely not absolutely never will i ever consider that and i think that's you know language is very important in a relationship, mm-hmm. I think. And to the difference between no, absolutely not, and no, I'm not comfortable with that right now, I think makes a huge difference within a relationship. Because I think being shut down can cause resentment and shame on the other person and those kinds of things. So, you know, having that language of how we spoke to each other and how we communicated about what this was going to look like moving forward, um, I think was really important and something that we sort of instinctually did properly mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah, uh, it was based a little bit on what we had read, mm-hmm. but it was still fairly instinctual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think reading beforehand is a really good idea to yeah, give you some of yeah. that language to use. Um, I think, yeah... Um, it helps a lot to, to, to have the words. I think a lot of people just don't know how to start the conversation. And that's why it was a little bit easier for us because we were building that relationship from the ground up. It wasn't an existing relationship that we were trying to transition into an, an open relationship. And so things got a little different when we were apart for those, those months mm-hmm. because we still had to rely on those established dating platforms as ways to find people, but they're not really set up for this type 
of dating. And we're going to do an episode about online dating profiles and how to how to kind of create a winning sort of formula. Well, and how to use the and, apps properly. And how to use the apps properly. And one of the first things is picking the right kind of app. Because if I was to put on my Bumble or Tinder profile that I'm in an open relationship, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are not in open relationships that use that language, have encounters with people, and then it comes out that they were cheating on their partner. So there's a lot of prejudice and bias about that kind of language that's on there. So I choose not to disclose that information until I have a conversation with somebody and feel like it might be going somewhere. And sometimes that's received well, and other times it's received very poorly. People are like, well, if I had known that you had that, I'm not into that dirty, horrible stuff and whatever. So it's a little bit tricky. Fortunately, there are other apps out there mm-hmm. that are designed for for people who are consensual in who are consensual or ethical non-monogamy. And I, I, there's a couple of different ones out there, but there's really two. There's one really good one, in my opinion, in our opinion, and there's one that's kind of trying to be good, but with any of these dating networks, the they're only as good as the number of people that are on them. So Field, which was called Thrinder, um, but then Tinder got upset because it sounded too much like Tinder, even though Tinder is a play on Grinder. but we'll leave that one alone. Uh, and then the other one is Hashtag Open, mm-hmm. which is has all of the sex positive sort of stuff built into it, but there's just not enough in our area, there's not enough users in it to make it a viable kind of option. Field seems to be F double E L D. That seems to be the, the one where you can be completely open. You can have a couple's profile or you can link your partner to it. So it's out in the open. You can put your sexual orientation, which tells people who are swiping on you if you guys are compatible you can put pictures and you can there's memberships options you can put your kink cards on the table and you can put all your kink cards out all your desires if you you know want to do some stuff that most people will consider wild and crazy you can put it up there and you can be out and open about that kind of stuff which um i think is awesome it's definitely a, a, a great way to do it um but again those networks and the number of users there and in the area that we live in um, are a lot smaller than the traditional dating apps like Tinder, Bumble. And but the people that you're Facebook. seeing are all kind of in that same space as you are. Yes. I mean, you have more people obviously on Tinder, but not that many that are looking for the same thing you are. So just to get back on truck because we're now at this point we're looking at a part three (laughs) maybe Um, what's that maybe okay so um originally when we were going to be separated for that amount of time um and this is sort of number one rookie mistake is the d-a-d-t arrangement don't ask don't tell right so i had said to you that i didn't want to know who you were dating or where you were going or what you were doing with any one. I was just going to labor under the assumption that you were getting your needs met and that was fine. I didn't want to, I didn't want to know about any of that. You, on the other hand, wanted to know every detail about where I was going, who I was going with, what the plan was, 
Was I planning on having sex? Was I not? You know, and I think part of the difference of that is a safety issue. Yes. And and it wasn't to police your activities. No. No. I didn't get that feeling. No. It was because my imagination... Sucks. Oh, it's great. It's really mean but to it, you. It is mean to me. You have a scumbag brain. Yeah. Um, you know, I hear that B is going out on, on a date and... Without knowing any details, I assume it's, you know, the defensive line of a football team <laughs> in a cream pie gangbang. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Um, and, and, and... That, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> but the reality is, is never that. And... Well, no, has never been. I mean, you know, everything's on the table, but <laughs> that's a not for right now. No. Um, and so once I, when I... When I know more about what's transpired, then I can tamp down those wild assumptions that right. kind of go through my brain. And and so the issue on my end was that, um, and what I didn't realize at the time was my desire to not know um, created this need for you to be evasive and sometimes outright lie to me about where you were going or what your plans were. Um, and that was an issue because one of the biggest things you have to have in an open relationship is trust and know that your partner is not going to lie to you about, about what they're doing. And I didn't unwittingly, I, by asking you not to share details with me, unless I explicitly asked you, I was forcing you to lie to me and that created a, 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 a real cognitive dissonance for you where Mm -hmm. it was like, how do I do this? How do I not hurt her by doing what she asked me to do? And at the same time, how do I not hurt her by not, by not lying to to her? Yeah. Cause you had told me the only way to fuck up this relationship was to lie to you. But you're also by setting these, these kind of ground rules, forcing me to lie. Right. Which was the one thing that would fuck up this relationship. Yeah. So it was very uncomfortable for you. Yes, it was. So that was, so that's, that's sort of pitfall. Number one is think very carefully about the rules that you're setting out and and sort of move them forward in real time and think, okay, how is this going to work out? Um, you know, don't ask, don't tell is sounds like a great idea. Um, in practice, not so easy to do. Yeah. Um, especially in today's world of technology and, you know, text patterns and all those kinds <laughs> of things. Um People will notice a deviation in a text pattern or a conversation pattern, and it causes... You say goodnight at four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) See you tomorrow. (laughs) Gee, I wonder where he is. Um, And so that that was kind of pitfall number one. Um, How was your date? How did that feel? Ah. This is the other thing we... I mean... We, you don't know until you know, right? Right. And so you don't know how you're going to feel about something until you try it. And I think if you're in this type of relationship, you need to know that your partner, that anything that happens, they're going to be, you're going to fuck up sometimes. And for the most part, most of those fuck ups, you can get past through communication and stuff like that. Some things are going to be non-negotiable that, you know, if 
there are certain boundaries that we have always put in place that are non-negotiable, safer sex practices, things like that. Um, you know, and if you had gone and certain acts, certain that acts are just certain, not sure are, that are a no-go zone because we only share those. Yeah, to other. keep something special, not special, but to keep something unique to our dynamic and not mm-hmm. something that we do with other people. So there, there's there's things like that that I think are are useful. Other rules, overly restrictive rules, like, you know, you can't talk to somebody who I might know, or you can't go to a place that I always go with you, or there's some things that might in practice be harder to to do. And, and there are a lot of people who, who practice consensual non-monogamy will play, I'm using air quotes, like adult play, like have fun with other people together, and others that will do it only separate from their primary partner and other ones that will do depending on how the scenario um, goes along. And so... How was your date? So, I'm getting there. <laughs> this was getting there. I feel like I feel like you're evading. I'm not evading it. Okay. Right. So because we were in on different continents, mm-hmm. we didn't have the option to play together. We weren't even talking about that at that point. No, but... No. So we had to play separately. Mm-hmm. And my date was lovely and generous and fun but it made me at the end of it I was heading back to where I was where I was staying I just had this like I didn't have any guilt because I wasn't hiding anything I mean I was to a certain degree but no, I but, but I've been point, allowed to do at that point everybody knew yeah, what was happening yeah. so it was fine um but I just felt sad hmm I felt sad because B wasn't with me. Hmm. And the analogy I gave you was that, you know, sometimes you want a four course meal and other times you just need a bag of chips. Because the four course meal isn't available. Right. And you're hungry. What did, you're I, at, what did I say to you about comparing me to food? I, <laughs> so, it happens well, all the time. Food and sex, right? Five senses. That's yeah, so. Okay, it's sure. it's. Um, and what I had said to 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 be was that I didn't want chips anymore. That if I, if I couldn't if I couldn't have if I couldn't be with you that I didn't want to do it. Right. And that created a conundrum mm-hmm. moving forward. Because now one of the main, one of the easiest options to, to make happen, because we don't live even in the same city, let alone together. No. Um, I travel a lot for work. There's lots of potential opportunity to do these sorts of things without interrupting our time together. Mm-hmm. And now that wasn't possible. Because it didn't feel right for me. And then when you went... On your date, that was not a punitive date. It was already scheduled and, and that. Yes. Um, how did you feel at the end of your date? And was this person new or somebody that you had a relationship with? So, yeah. So my experience was a little bit different. Um, I mean, you were you were swiping where you were to mm-hmm. find someone, to find new people because you'd never been to this place before. And I decided that, you know, to get my needs met when we couldn't be together... Um, I thought I would rely on someone who I had had sort of a previous relationship with, but um, not interested in pursuing any kind of like romantic relationship with. 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had the same feeling. I, I came away from it like, it was fun, but I had kind of wished you were there, right? So that kind of set the stage for, you know, when we finally were back together after you traveling, um, we had to start talking about, okay, um, we don't enjoy playing separately from each other. So the option now is to play together. And what did that look like? And what kind of configurations would that be? So, um, go ahead, continue. So the different configurations would be um, other committed couples. And that could be a soft swap. What's a soft swap? Soft swap would be maybe the two women interact. Okay. Um, maybe you're only performing oral on each other like like partner swapping or you're in or and then you're just having sex in the same room you're not interacting with the other partners it could mean anything up to basically it excludes pnv sex penis and vagina yes with the opposite partners like right um or a full swap which is pretty much everything including penis and vagina sex which can be in the same room or a different room could be in the same room or different rooms and we had pretty much decided that we didn't want separate rooms well separate rooms we might as well be playing separately right we're in separate rooms um that would also include threesomes Mm -hmm. special guest stars special guest stars female or male Mm -hmm. and um and then something that we never really considered which ended up being our first experience which was um a female couple who had agreed two lesbians to try something a little bit different yeah two very beautiful lesbians very beautiful yeah and like an awesome couple and actually um i learned quite a bit from them about they they've been together i think probably like 14 or 15 years now Mm. and they um engage in consensual non-monogamy usually with other women um, and that that was something that had kept their relationship exciting. And, um, I mean, and they spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. So, so that was... That, and that one was basically a soft swap. It was, yes. But, but, um, and... and it and, wasn't even meant to kind of start out like that. No, you, originally you were supposed to basically just watch be a fortunate observer and then have sex with me but it ended up that they both i guess you must have made a really good impression because you ended up going down on both of them i did it was it was a lot of fun so and good feedback very good feedback so what what was that like for you that was our first and it was we were basically monogamous for about eight months after our sort of adventure in DADT and playing separately and deciding not to want to do that. What was, describe the the difference then from those two experiences. There's a different energy when you're in like a sexually charged space with your partner like that. Um, There's no, there's no fear of missing out. There's, your partner is experiencing the same things that you're experiencing 
you can make connections with your partner even while you're connecting with somebody else um even if it's just reaching out and touching your partner or or something more than that making eye contact making eye contact things like that um it was super hot to see three beautiful women interacting uh i think you learned a little bit more about your sexuality mm-hmm. as a result of that encounter <laughs> yes which is which has been useful in in the things that we have done and continue to do or hope to continue to do when quarantine lifts um but it was it was it was a very different experience to be in a loving committed relationship with someone and then also be sexual with other people and not have any negative feelings and there's in there's a term in polyamory called compersion and it's basically the opposite of jealousy it's where you get enjoyment or pleasure from your partner's pleasure or enjoyment you just feel happy for them because they're they're getting this they're getting to have this amazing experience i think compersion is one of those emotions that you 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 don't hear about it very often and it's very very difficult to explain and it is very close to elation Mm -hmm. it's a very intense a very intense I, I remember the first time feeling that, watching you with someone else and watching you give that person pleasure. And there's sort of a mixture of, you know, pride about what an amazing lover you are, um, joy that you're enjoying that experience. It's so, it's such a strange thing. To, it's such a hard thing to explain to people, but once you feel it, it it sort of tamps out so many of those the fear the, the the fears of those negative emotions that you are sure are going to show up, and then they just don't. Well, if if compersion is the opposite of jealousy, and if you're feeling compersion, then you're not feeling jealousy. Right, and but I think that so many people don't engage in these types of activities because and these adventures because the fear of those negative emotions stops them from doing that and they feel like if i do this i'm going to feel this negative emotion and then my relationship is going to be over and everything's going to collapse but when when that doesn't happen and you actually feel compersion instead which you're right is exactly exactly the opposite end of the spectrum of what you're expecting it's such a like there's so many, like jealousy is a whole bunch of negative emotions all balled up. Compersion is a whole bunch of positive emotions all balled up, mm-hmm. right? So pride, joy, pleasure, relief, love, like all, right? All, all of those things. And it's so intense that you're just like, wow, this is not, that's not at all what I thought. And when you, when like. you read about it, you, you, you have this kind of intellectual understanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think we can both say in our experiences, we didn't actually really know what it was until we experienced it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of people look at it and go, there's no way I could ever feel happy that my partner's getting railed by somebody else. (laughs) 
but <laughs> but if if I really truly feel like if the relationship if there's good communication, mm-hmm. if you're honest with your partner, if you establish respect boundaries, mm-hmm. and communication is key, mm-hmm. and also I think knowing that no matter what happens, if if something goes wrong, you can talk about it. You don't have to have the fear that if you if you do something, that it's the end of the relationship. It might be a rough patch. It might be a lot of awkward conversation. But I don't think you can do this. I don't think you can do ethical non-monogamy successfully without good communication. There's a lot of talking involved. There is a lot of talking. And it's not, I mean, it can be work sometimes, but oftentimes it's, it's really constructive and never mind the fact that it gives you the chance to relive amazing experiences (laughs) and and do that kind of stuff well but and and the thing is like i just i had a couple of things that i wanted to like sort of some pros and cons that that to wrap up the episode yes okay so you talked about that that thing where you have to have difficult conversations and Mm -hmm. a lot of people have problems with that the thing is that you get better at having those difficult conversations because you have to have them so it helps you have difficult conversations with other people in your life too so it helps your communication not just in your romantic relationship but in all your relationships um i will say that bad experiences are really bad yeah, they're, they have the potential to be terrible. They, they are rough. They are rough, rough, rough. And we've had a couple of experiences that are just like, wow. And the learning curve is steep and it's painful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you come through those as a couple, I think you feel a lot stronger. Because, oh, yeah. you know, um, you, st- you know, and then so those are really the only sort of cons that I've kind of experienced and the pros far outweigh and I'm just going to give you some of mine and if you have some to add I don't know if you have another con that you wanted to add no no I don't think so okay no, just like, those two things like those cover a pretty wide swath of what's possible yeah um obviously the compersion is a huge thing um dating with someone else is yeah, really fun. It is because if if it goes badly, you still have your partner. <laughs> like if you go on a bad date with somebody and you feel, you, let's say you get st- stood up, mm-hmm. you're like oh man, like I got dressed up and I went here and I bought a drink and maybe a meal and it depends on how long you stuck around before you realize you got stood up. But if you get stood up as a couple dating, and we have this happened. Then we enjoy the night. Well, all right, we're here. Let's okay. have some drinks. Let's have some food. Let's have like, a good time. You know, you, it's a fairly safe bet you're going to get laid anyways that night. Probably, so yeah. you know, and and yeah, dating dating with your partner um, is super fun, and I, it also gives you a window into what it must be like for like if you're a man, what it must be like for a woman in the dating world, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like you know. When you're talking to women, sometimes it's exhausting, the, the stuff that, that and, and, and I'm amazed at how crude and crass men can be, mm-hmm. uh, even though we're all out on these, especially like on field, we're out there to get laid, 
that doesn't mean I want to see your dick. Yeah, no. And and it still like it just so there's the, still manners. Yeah, the insight is 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 really interesting. So yeah, dating dating together yeah. is really fun. And and we sort of we both have our strengths and our you know like I'm the closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so so that's kind of that's something that I didn't really expect that it's really really fun to date with you. Yeah. And um. You see things that I don't, and I see things that you don't. Crazy and... eyes are a thing, <laughs> right? So, so it's it's that's kind of fun to to do that. And like you say, even if it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, it's still fun, and we still have each other at the end of the day. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's nice to renew that sense of appreciation of your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing like seeing your partner through a new person's eyes. You know, and to to watch someone laugh at your jokes or be impressed by things about you or appreciate your stunning good looks or anything like that. Like it's 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 fun to watch because I'm a part of it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm left out of it. And I think that's where a lot of people's negative emotions come from. That idea of kind of being shoved aside and left out. And when there's that inclusion and you're doing all that together... Um, that changes a lot of things and it makes it a lot more fun than I think you, a lot of people think it would be. There's still etiquette that you have to observe, even though your partner's involved in, and so let's say your dating goes well and you've got a, you know, and everybody gets together and there's going to be some fun naked time. There's still some etiquette that you have to, you can't ignore your partner and just be, well, they're in the same room with me, so it's okay. No. Right? So you do need to check in and you do need to be, um aware of what's going on and the more conversations you can have about it ahead of time the better like mm-hmm. is it okay to orgasm with someone with someone else? someone else right maybe it's totally fine some people are okay with kissing not kissing and i think the more that you peel apart what you would like to happen i don't think it's you know putting the cart before the horse i think it just establishes um a basis of understanding for any kind of encounters that you have and it's to the point now where if we're going to meet somebody we go okay so we good we good yep and we give you know we can give each other a look or something and go mm-hmm. all right this is cool or now we should make our way out of here right mm-hmm. and if it's good we've already agreed upon what's good and we've already communicated that with those with those potential people so that nobody is expecting something that isn't going to happen because if we're on the different we're on different pages and we're not gonna mm-hmm. we're not gonna be there sorry no, that's back okay. to your no, 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 to no. Your, pros. I, your input is great. This one's just going to be longer. It's okay. Yeah. Um. And and just you know, you're talking about establishing things beforehand. Those um, arms. You have your little elevator talk that you. Yes, like. I think it's important. Sexual health is important. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the ways that this can be a lot safer than non-consensual non-monogamy where somebody is cheating and raw-dogging their their the person they're cheating with um we have what we call like an elevator pitch which is basically um our do's and don'ts what we what we what we do what we don't do um what we're comfortable with i mean no matter what we're comfortable with doing it's our personal sort of philosophy that you know we always go with whoever is I mean, least comfortable is a bad word, but if 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 
some people aren't okay with kissing, then cool, we then no yeah. kissing, right? Yeah. Like, but if they're okay with kissing, we're okay with kissing. Everyone has to be comfortable. Everybody has to be comfortable. Everybody. Um, Nobody's and, dragged along no. into this. No. And yeah, it, it's if it's not a fuck yes, then it's no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and part of that elevator pitch, in addition to you know what what is it what is a go and no go is. Um, our testing status mm-hmm. and anything we may or may not have. Um, some things can be tested for, some things cannot be tested for. And putting that out there, um, some people look at it and go, oh, you know, like we've been doing this for years and we've never gotten tested. You guys must do it a lot if you're getting tested. And and, 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 and then our my response is always, ooh, gross, you've been doing it for years and fucking how many people and you've never been tested? Well, we always use condoms. Like, yeah, but you know, you need to be, you need to re-educate yourself or in the case of a lot of us, educate yourself for the first time because for a lot of us, sexual education in school has been was really, really shitty. Mm-hmm. But to understand what the risks are, what condoms and dental dams protect against and what they don't protect against, mm-hmm. what you can be vaccinated for and what is treatable with a pill after the fact and what is lifelong. Mm-hmm. And you need to be open and hopefully that openness and honesty will encourage your prospective play partners to also be open. And if they come back at you with some information that you weren't expecting, you then need to reevaluate and you don't want to punish them for being honest, but you also have to look at your risk tolerance and decide if that is somebody that mm-hmm. you're willing to play with um, based on the information that they've given you. And so we have that kind of as a conversation opener in like a little note um, that I update as we get tested Insert on name here. Yeah, well, <laughs> and and also and also when we when we get when we update our tests our testing right. dates and stuff like that. And we go and you and I take turns getting tested regularly yes. based on activity. Yeah, we both get like tested twice a year, mm-hmm. and we do it on an offset so that basically one of us is getting tested around every three months if we're playing with new people, mm-hmm. um, and if they're like. It's been a little while now because of this lockdown with COVID-19. Um, but but when it kind of, or if it ever ramps back up again with us being out, then then we'll resume that kind of that testing status. And that's the thing too. That was something that I, one of my concerns when we started this was that it would, it would sort of take over our relationship where every weekend we were together, we'd be doing these kinds of things. Um, and it's not been the case. It's really not been the case. First of all, scheduling is a nightmare. I mean, you with- could do it every weekend or every night if you really wanted to. There are people that would be... Sure. You could go and- to the sex club every night that it's open and find people to play with if you wanted to. You can, but I think based on our preferences mm-hmm. and, and our limitations as a, a couple that don't live together and don't live close... Um, but it doesn't, it hasn't done that. It's only enhanced, um, Mm -hmm. what we've had. Some of the other pros, um, is that combating that apathy Mm -hmm. that tends to set in, in long-term relationships, long-term monogamous relationships. And we kind of talked about that in the previous episode about, you know, not really caring what you look like so much anymore. Maybe skipping the gym more often, maybe leaving the bathroom door open. Maybe You, you are not skipping the gym. Look at you're those not arms. The gym. I mean, you comment on my triceps, but look at those arms over there. <laughs> oh my goodness. I got the guns out today. It's yeah. Sunday gun day. That's, <laughs> that's how that goes. Um, and I think the last thing I'm going to say, and this was something completely unexpected, was the idea of tribe building. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, no, you, you you take that one. Or do you want me to? I'll take it. You take it. I know you want me. to take it. So, uh, part of the discussion between B and I when we were doing this was figuring out what we wanted. Did we want a series of one-offs with individuals or couples? Or did we want something different? And through the course of our discussions, we decided that um, in an ideal world, we would build a little tribe of people with similar interests in and ideally outside of the bedroom, people that we could hang out with and then fuck afterwards. Kind of like kind of like couples dating, but you get you get to fuck them at the end of it, right? Um, and so we kind of figured our plan was to get maybe a few other couples and a few individuals for threesomes and things like that. Not that everybody would get together, but that, you know, and we would see them as various schedules would allow maybe once a month or a couple times a month. The way that this seems to work is it's like it rains and, and then it pours. And if it's not raining, then just nothing's happening. Like it, sometimes we end up scheduling things way closer together than we would do on a regular basis but because of scheduling sometimes that's the only way that you can make it happen and it's been very fun to find other people that have a similar kind of outlook you know a quality over quantity mentality and you know when you're out in the real world in vanilla straight land and you're with these people and you can kind of give a wink or a nod or share a look or something along those lines. It can be really, really fun. And I think, you know, we've, we said at the beginning that we're, we're using pseudonyms here on the podcast so that we can be open and honest with our experiences and what we've done and, 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 you know, successes and mistakes that we've made. We have to do that because in our lines of work, this wouldn't be acceptable and unfortunately it won't ever be acceptable until more people think of non-monogamy not as dirty swinging and just i keep using that i don't think swinging is dirty but that's what a lot of people think um until more quote unquote normal people next door um, you realize that people you already know who you love and think are decent human beings and then you find out that they're consensually non-monogamous then it kind of normalizes it a little bit so in our small way building a little tribe of people is a way to try and normalize it if not to the wider world but to to people to, to select people and i think it's helped especially people who have kind of come into this after we have, that we've been able to kind of have these conversations with and, and help them along in their journey. I think that's our way of contributing, even if we can't be completely open and honest about our, our identities and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I, and I think that's, that's such a, I, you've talked before about it's really, really hard for adults to make friends, yeah. to make new friends. And something that we didn't really think about that's happened is we've met some really amazing people and this idea of you know a lot of our of our primate ancestors have used sex as a social bonding tool and i think that's really been lost in our modern culture and but in this sort of consensual non-monogamy space that we're occupying 
that has been a feature of of this kind of, of these kinds of adventures is that you form very strong bonds with these people because we're we're connection oriented mm-hmm. people not everybody is and not to shame them like but people need, do it differently people do it differently but we like connection we like to have things in common with people outside of the bedroom mm-hmm. and so as a result you have these really really close bonds with people and you really feel like that idea of a tribe where um, these people have your back and you have theirs and you have this network of people that you can talk to about things and and talk about kids and relationships and jobs and all these kinds of things and things that you just that's not what I expected coming out of this to have these really strong friendships and these really strong relationships where there's no jealousy and no and no um, negative emotions about any kind of conversation or contact that's being had um, that's really something that I think a lot of people would benefit from having those really strong real bonds with other adults you know so many of us just are just friends with people that we've always been friends with since high school or since we were kids or whatever it is and but when you meet people as adults in your sort of more fully formed self it elevates that relationship to a very adult very mature very you know emotionally um evolved place where you can have real conversations and and real discourse on all all manner of different topics and it's really exciting and satisfying and a safe space to explore your sexuality mm-hmm. whatever that looks like mm-hmm. so yeah so i think i think that is a nice way to wrap it up it is so that's that's the the end to our kind of two episode primer on on non-monogamy this will not be the last time i'm sure we'll talk about it there's I'm other sure things no. there's other things that will that will come up that we want to talk to and of course your feedback is always welcome if there's something we didn't cover in these in this two-parter that you have questions about please hit us up uh, our links to social are in the show notes there so feel free to contact us and uh we'll try and put together uh, another episode maybe a a listener question episode might be in in order Mm -hmm. down the road Mm -hmm. um so we'll if we don't get it get back to you right away we definitely have filed it for future for future use check out the show links we've got again some more interesting reading for you and uh some fun stuff to pass the time uh, on the television (laughs) <laughs> always good yeah um from from the brainy cbc documentaries to the trashy 90 day fiance so fr- giant franchise of stuff that's out there <laughs> thanks dante thanks b